Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I am with Danielle Gabelli, the Director of Human Capital at Curation Health. Danielle, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited because we are talking about a topic that I think everyone on the planet right now would love to kind of hear some more insights about, and that is basically hiring in a post-pandemic world and managing a remote workforce. And just out of you know general curiosity myself, I, th I think the conversation is gonna flow really well because uh, we're, we're never gonna have uh, nothing to talk about. So I'd first love if you could share a little bit about your background so people can kind of learn a little bit about you and then maybe just quickly a tidbit about what your role looks like at Curation Health. And then we can talk about the key topics today. So I have 25 plus years experience in recruiting and HR. Um, so I've been an executive director for the past eight years before I came to Curation and managed talent, benefits, HR, all the good stuff, all in a remote world. So I'm probably the best person to talk to you about this right, uh, with this right now. And so with Curation, I've been here since um, April and I'm the director of human capital, which is a real fancy way of saying I'm in charge of HR and talent. So in this wonderful remote world. And you, you had, I, I think this is uh, important to note. So you, you mentioned you've always, you've always really focused on remote. What personally, what do you like? Cause I think there's pros and cons to it still, right? What do you like without getting in trouble too? Um, cause we want to still promote the remote work, but what do you like about remote work and what do you personally dislike about it? And, and maybe put the lens on, put the human capital lens on it about how that affects uh, people that, that work with you. So personally, I am actually, I'm an extrovert. Okay. So I actually draw, you know, my energy from people, but it's funny because me in an office, which my group in Springfield can, if they're, when they watch this, they'll laugh. When I would go visit, I was all over the place. Nobody got anything done because I'm an extrovert. So I'm in the office and in front of people, I'm, you know, more involved with people. But when I'm home, I've been working remote for 15 years. I am way more productive, um, way more focused. And ironically, because of the pandemic, I was never on Zoom for 16 years. We very rarely Zoomed, uh, did anything in person. It was always conference calls on the phone. But the nice thing about, I don't say the nice thing, with the pandemic, it has forced us to actually be in front of each other. So for the past year and a half, it's even made working remotely more engaging because you're actually looking at people and it gives you more of a connection. Because when you work remotely, it is very easy to be on that deserted island all kind of isolated. But the key for companies that are now dealing with the pandemic, having people remote is the engagement. You have to stay engaged, whether you have the Zooms, you know, every meeting, don't make it over the phone. Get yourself in front of your um, workforce. It it just gets everyone more engaged. You're more connected. Well, it's funny you mentioned Zone because I was watching the other day Back to the Future and Back to the Future predicted that we would be using Zoom. Yes. He yes. gets a call from his boss, right? Incoming call. Hey, how are you? That's like, and... I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy how like now that's, that's how the majority of business now takes place. Uh, it feels weird when someone calls you 
Um, it's, well, there's also some pros to it too. Cause when you get a call, it's kind of nice to like, you can kind of do anything, right. You can sit back yes. and, yes. um, but it, it definitely, there's, there's definitely more of a personal, like it's as if you and I are, are, you know, right next to each other, right. We're talking, we're, it's, uh, it's, it's really nice. Um, it's, it's not even just affecting HR and companies. It's even the way healthcare is going. Look now, you know, Teladoc, I mean, it, it's tremendous now. I, you don't have to go into an office to be seen. Therapists are now Zooming. So it's really changing. It's altering the way we just manage care, period, whether it's in the office or actually doctors, you know, providing services. Let's talk about remote workforce and, and healthcare specifically, right? Healthcare, heavily regulated industry. What are some of the major, I guess, areas of focus that everyone needs to be cognizant of when when employing a remote like health workforce or even even if it's not a healthcare professional right but someone that works for a healthcare organization like your team um are, are there additional challenges that end up coming up that you need to really be aware of uh to make sure that you know not, the ball doesn't get dropped i mean security clearly obviously a lot of the remote workers in the healthcare world whether they be coders auditors cbi anybody you know they're accessing patient record and things like that so really the healthcare companies, you know, typically should hopefully, you know, provide equipment to their employees, making sure they are in one, you know, area of their of their field where they are heavily guarded with, you know, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh my goodness, really? With security, you know, making sure they're logging into the client the right way whether the client receives or gives us tokens or certain ways of getting in. But the point is managing security, making sure everything is protected is what the word I was trying to get at. Sorry, I haven't had enough coffee today. Oh, you're but, fine. Uh, to, make sure, to make sure you're protected because the clients rely on us, you know, protecting them and our coworkers. These, these episodes are about, this is as if you and I are just having a, a conversation in a meeting, right? And it, no worries. Um, it was, uh, but one of the things I, I, uh, I really focus in on, right. Cause I I've had to deal with this for, for one of the companies I'm with is one of the challenges is when you're a fully remote workforce and you have people from many different States, it's easy once they're already set up in a state, right. You already have everything ready to go. Um, now, I know there's softwares that are trying to continuously make this easier. I still don't think we're fully there yet, but maybe things will change. I, I could be wrong, but maybe things will continue to get better, right? As a result of, I would say we're at the bare minimum, we're a hybrid, you know, the US at least is very yeah. hybrid workforce focused, right? It, it will no longer be strictly office every single day. No, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the healthcare world has picked up, you know, with hospitals closing and search centers closing the work, you know, a year ago, we were furloughing people. I mean, it was pretty bad, but now, yes, as um, everything opens up. Yeah. I mean, people have to just, you know, the companies have to just be careful and make sure if they are going to bring their people back in the office, they're taking the same precautions as they would if they're remote, you know, business as usual, whether you're in the hospital facility or home, making sure your employees understand security, you know, nowadays it's no one's safe. And, you know, really just making sure at the, at the end of the day, if your people are remote, continuing that relationship with them and making sure they have everything they need at home to do their job, whether they're in the office or not. But I think 
what people are realizing, I was reading a few articles, I'm always reading articles, but you know, a lot, a lot of companies are keeping people home because they're realizing the production that they're getting out of these employees with the work-life balance and being able to manage their lives from a remote, you know, stance. So it's interesting to see how many companies are actually keeping people home. How important do you think it is to put together like either retreats or some sort of in-person annual or semi-annual type? I don't, I don't know what the kind of time structure should be, right? Should it be every quarter? Should it be every, you know, twice a year? Should it be once a year? Do you think that's important or do you think that if this is structured right, you can kind of do without that? Depending on the size of the organization, you know, if you have a smaller organization, clearly that's possible. I think every organization leadership level clearly should get together once a year, which normally in my, you know, 12 years, we have. Leadership have always gotten together, whether it's the end of the year to plan, where were the wins, you know, what could we do better, things like that for the next year. But, you know, as a whole companies, you know, they should stay engaged with um, quarterly meetings, whether it's Zoom with all of their employees, whether it's 100 or 3,000. Um, having town halls, keeping these employees, you know, engaged and letting them know how the company's doing. Again, wins, you know, losses, whatever is, is happening. When, when, when the employees are remote, it, it's very easy to lose them. So the key really is the engagement, sending out surveys, you know, quarterly. Hey, you know, how are you feeling? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? It, it just helps because it is very easy to lose that engagement piece. I'm pretty passionate about it because it's important, you know, very. Absolutely. Well, when, when we're looking at it, putting together a remote workforce, can you give us any, you know, without giving us any too many secrets, but what, what does a good process look like? Like, can you, can you talk us through maybe um, you identify the need, you post the job opportunity. What, what does kind of your process look like at least Um that you're willing to share, right? But like, I'd love to kind of put that together from, um, you know, initial posting to offer letter and they're signing on board. Yeah, so, you know, obviously there's a need. So then I, you know, have an intake call with that manager. Even if the need is something that we always have open, you never know, there could be a little area uh, of change, whether the client is expecting this or that or something less or more. And then after that intake, I, I posted, I have an applicant tracking system, I posted on there. I am heavily uh, involved in social media. I, I network with thousands of coders daily and thousands of HIM professionals, which really is how I you know, become successful in that area. And so I blast, as I call it, my openings out, get the applicants coming in and in our industry, you know, we, uh, we employ engineers um, and you know, dabbling into other areas we provide an assessment. So I would screen them. After I screen them and think this person's viable, I will set them up with the hiring manager. They talk to them. They think they're viable. We do some type of assessment. And then after that assessment, if things work out, we do a final interview with leadership. We like for that person possibly coming on board to understand, hey, here's HR, here's a hiring manager, here's somebody from leadership, kind of do that culture fit. Um, and then if things work out, we, we make an offer. And all of that gets done from our homes. We uh, have the help of DocuSign and all that fun stuff that will um, make sure, we talk about security, make sure their information is safe. 
We're not going back and forth with email and, and specific information. All of that is somewhere that they can enter themselves. And then we start onboarding. So usually, you know, it takes about two weeks by the time they've accepted, given their notice. They start two to three weeks, sometimes a month. The engineering side, it's a little different. It's a little bit longer to find talent. Right now, the engineering, uh, healthcare engineering, well, engineering in general, the unemployment rate is 2%. That market is tight. Um, and so, yeah, that sometimes is a little longer process because you're vetting candidates way longer um, than uh, maybe in uh, other positions. But um, it's usually pretty seamless and it works out pretty well. And it, it really is not once that offer letter set, it's, it's pretty easy to get them set up if you're already in that state and like, but that it's like, I, I don't think people that haven't done it, it's not, it's not that it's like, oh, you can't hire them for several weeks. Like oh, no. it's allow you to still submit the paperwork and before payroll. Yeah. But it's oh, still, it's still no fun to, to do. You know, it's like herding cats. Like, yeah, it's not like I can have, you know, because even, you know, I-9s and verifying employment, you know, verifying your identity. It's just, it makes it a little bit difficult. But, you know, I've, again, I have always managed a process where we've had employees in every state. So it just, it's like, it's like I'm in the office. It's just, it's a little bit more, a uh, little bit more managing in the process, but it, it's doable. Yeah, it's, it, it's. The, the part I don't like is sometimes you'll use these softwares and then you'll end up getting a bill from the state saying you owe this. And it's like, that was the whole point of the software. Oh, well, the software didn't work. It's like, then email them because <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I mean, you know, having the proper HRIS system, you know, helps because when you're entering this new hire, you know, typically regardless of state, that system is helping you with, you know, taxes and how to do this and how to do that. So, you know, and again, after doing this for umpteen years, I know even the laws when somebody unfortunately leaves our, our company, if they're in California, they're paid, you know, there's also the nuances of every state and how you onboard and offboard somebody because every state's different. So that's, makes it tons of fun too. I have to say yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely something to, to recognize and to, to be yeah. proactive with uh, on both ends, right? Hiring and then also if, if you know, God forbid you have to let someone go as well. Absolutely. You always have to think twice. You can't just say, you know, you have to go through the proper channels, but yeah, you then have to go, wait, they live in, you know, Montana. We have to do this, this, and this. So, you know, it, it takes a little bit extra than if you have all your employees in one state, you know, the state laws, you're good to go. It's a little different when you've got people everywhere, which we do. So makes it fun. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. This was a different topic than we usually discuss, and I think it's super relevant. So it was fun kind of going back and forth with you and kind of answering a couple of my questions too. So, so thank you for that. But uh, yeah, always, always a pleasure to have someone from the curation health team on and uh, yeah, thank you so thank much you so for much. your time. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.